The Suffolk Journal podcast is the official podcast of the Suffolk Journal. Things may have changed by the time you heard this episode. America has been thrown into a state of unrest since the Memorial Day death of George Floyd while Floyd was in police custody in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Since then, mostly peaceful protests across the country and world have been attended by people of all walks of life who demand justice and change in the wake of Floyd's death. In this episode, the Suffolk Journal News co-editor, Caitlin Norwood, and I examine the message and goal of these protests and ask the question, is the media doing the protests justice with their coverage? This is the Suffolk Journal Podcast. We've realized the Suffolk Journal can do better to avoid sensationalism, especially with stories like this. We've learned that we need to better consider the impacts and implications our reporting has for the communities and individuals it affects most. Hello, journal readers. I'm your host, James Barlett. I'm joined in this episode by the Suffolk Journal News co-editor, Caitlin Norwood. How are you today, Caitlin? I'm good, James. Thanks for having me on. So why don't you tell the audience what they can look forward to in this episode? In this episode of the Suffolk Journal podcast, we talked to some Suffolk students taking part in nationwide protests to ask them about their experience and about the message and goals of the protests. We'll also examine if media coverage of the protests is an accurate depiction of what they stand for based on individual experiences as well as our experience covering the protests for the journal. Enjoy! So we're talking with an anonymous Suffolk junior who attended a protest in Los Angeles. How are you today? Good, thank you for having me. Thank you for being on the show. Caitlin, do you want to start with the questions? Sure. Um, so yes, thanks for coming on the show today. Um, let's just kind of talk about, in general, your experience uh, at the protest in LA and kind of what that was like for you. Mm-hmm. So I had no intention of being there. I totally support the movement, but one of the people I was with and myself, it, that big crowds like that make us uncomfortable. Um, but one of the other people we were with wanted to go. So, you know, we said we'll go. Um, LA had put out a curfew for 6 p.m., I believe it was, but there were other people out, so we figured, you know, we'll be fine. Like, what's the worst that's gonna happen? We're not gonna do anything wrong. So we're there, there, it's in front of the Los Angeles courthouse, and there's a bunch of people, nobody's being violent, the police aren't being violent, the protesters aren't being violent. People are saying things, you know, like say their names, Black Lives Matter, but nobody's taunting anybody. The police, you know, they're just standing there staring at us. And eventually a big chunk of the crowd runs the opposite direction. Um, but we we stayed with maybe about a hundred other people. And the our friend that wanted to be there started to go over and to take pictures. Um you know, right up in the faces of the officers. And my friend and I, we just kind of hung out in the park because we didn't want to get in the middle of anything if something were to turn bad. And we heard the officers start saying something about you have so many minutes to leave. But we didn't, you know, we figured they'll give us another warning. We didn't want to leave this kid behind. And eventually he came up to us. And all of this was happening after the curfew. Um, It was probably... 7 30 ish so he came up to us and he said we have to go now so we started walking towards the back where the crowd had run earlier and the officers started shining their lights at us and they said turn back turn back don't come this way so we go to another side and they said you can't come this way 
So we go to another side and they say, you can't exit this way, go the other direction. And we, you know, the crowd is saying, we can't go this way. They're sending us this way. How are we supposed to get out? You guys can't do this to us, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And the police at this point are closed. And the National Guard was there and they start closing in on us. And they say, everybody within the perimeter is under arrest. So the, we go and we sit on the steps of the courthouse with all the other protesters that were within the perimeter. And one by one, the officers start putting zip tie handcuffs on us and lining us up. And we wait for the sheriff's bus, it's like the size of a school bus, to come and they load us up. They, you know, they take our information. They put the females in the back, the males in the front, and they turn off the lights and they drive. And at this point, there's no windows. We can't see anything. We don't know what's going on. Nobody's telling us anything. And we spent two hours on the bus. We don't know if we were moving the whole time or not. Um, and when we finally get off, we're in like the loading station of the police sta of the police station. And they put us all in a corner and they start calling our names one by one. I was the third to last person to get called. And what they did was they um, started writing a citation. So they ask, you know, where you're from, your mailing address, your name. Um, they have your license number, stuff like that. And they gave me a misdemeanor for breaking curfew. And I have a court date in February. So that means I have to go back to Los Angeles. Um, there is a possibility that I could do it over the phone, but I have to call the court and just, you know, see what they think. Um, what they say and after they write your citation they lead you out and they say have a good night so at no point was anything violent the protesters weren't violent the police weren't violent they were the officers were actually really nice to us you know they asked me if I wanted to be put with my friends just to like you know stay together um, they were loosening zip ties if people you know were losing circulation in their wrists um, they were, I mean, they were just doing their job, but it's unfortunate that it was a misdemeanor just for breaking curfew, you know, because that, that if a, a misdemeanor does mean you're going to have a record, which is unfortunate. <laughs> so just to reiterate, this, this wasn't, you weren't looting, you weren't rioting, this wasn't nope. like a lot of the images we saw on TV out of no. LA? No, it was very peaceful. You know, people were saying, you know, Black Lives Matter, say their names, but nobody was saying, you, you know, cops are pigs. Nobody was throwing anything, nothing at all like that. Nobody was breaking anything. So what did it feel like the message was? Do you think that it kind of grew beyond being just about George Floyd? I think people are really frustrated right now. I think they're scared. I mean, you don't, with what we're seeing in the news, you don't know what the police are going to do because you don't know what's going to trigger them and what they have up their sleeve. I think people are trying, the protesters, at least where I was, they're trying to keep it focused on the change that needs to happen and why we're, why we want this change, but we don't know how to go about getting that change. So I think people are, you know, trying different things to see what's going to work and letting their anger out, even if it's not always in the best way. And um, so then let me ask you specifically, um, you were at the protest, so you've seen everything firsthand, but how do you feel the protests are being reflected in the media? I think, you know, you see these things where the cops are saying one thing, 
you know, about that, that man that they pushed to the ground, you know, they said that he had tripped and then the video came out and they said, oh, actually, yeah, we did push him because there's no way to deny it. I mean, there's video of it. This was the incident in Buffalo, New York, just for yes, the yes, audience. Yes, yeah. So I think... Um, I, I don't know. I think um, the, the, the incident that I encountered, the police were in the right because we were going against the curfew. But there are all these other incidents where nobody's doing anything wrong and they're attacking these innocent people. And I saw a video after we had, um, after we got out of LA, I saw a video on Instagram from Los Angeles of cops pulling people over and just taking people out of their cars, after, you know, saying, oh, these people broke curfew. But the message that comes up on your phone, the curfew message says, here's the curfew. But if you're traveling to work or to give emergency care, you're exempt. So how do these cops know where you're going if they're just going to take you out of your car and, you know, write you up? Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it, everybody's scared. The police are scared. The people are scared. It's frustrating for everybody. So do you think that the media's kind of focus on the rioting and looting incidents in several cities across the U.S., do you think that that's weakening or overshadowing the overall message absolutely because seeing we see police um on the media and we're as citizens you know we see that they're lying that they're doing they're taking all these steps that should it shouldn't have to come to that there should be some way to reach what we want you know some kind of median here um and people are seeing them do these unnecessary things and it's Again, it's frustrating. It's scary. And, you know, how I think people are wondering, where is the end? When is it going to come? And how do we get there? And, you know, people aren't always necessarily good at waiting and talking things out. So they want answers now. And I think people deserve answers now. This has gone on long enough. I mean, this isn't the first, this isn't an isolated incident. Thank you so much for joining us and speaking with us today. Thank you for having me and thank you for covering this important topic. So we're talking with Molly Muhigi. She is a junior at Suffolk and she studies political science. Molly, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Kate, do you want to start with the questions? Sure. So hi, Molly. Um, To kind of get us going, I would just love to know a little bit about what your experience has been at the protests and kind of what it's been like. Yeah, sure. Um, So I went to last week on Tuesday, um, I went to a protest in Amesbury, which is like a town that's adjacent to mine. And um, it was for like the Black Lives Matter movement. It was a rally, but it was put on by members of the town of Amesbury. It wasn't by like actual uh, representatives from the Black Lives Matter movement. It was more in support of everything that's been going on. Um, So I went to a rally there last week and it was a really positive um, peaceful and sort of uplifting experience. I had a really, it was, it had a really good time there and it was really sort of, um, comforting to see how many other people were there fighting for the same thing as I was. So I really, it was a meaningful experience for me. So why are you personally (laughs) protesting? Well, um, 
I am black myself, so I feel like a lot of the messages that they're trying to get out there and like the point of this movement is that at the end of the day that black lives do matter and I feel like that obviously pertains to me as a, as who I am and also like family members of mine and friends of mine so I felt really like a personal connection to the protests that are going on I felt like it was my I had an obligation not only to myself but also to the other members of my community to be out there and to be fighting for what we all believe in is right. So would you say that the protest has grown from just being about George Floyd and justice for his case? Oh, yes, 100%. I mean, I think that the video that was released of him definitely sparked this round of protest, this like most recent movement, but it's just sort of the, I guess, the catalyst for all of these cases of the same things happening where Black men and women and children are being uh basically brutalized by the police and this is only the one of the cases that we've seen that's been caught on video that's not to say that there haven't been dozens if not like hundreds of other cases it just happened that this one was reported and it was put out there and people now were able to see it so i don't think it is just because of george floyd i just think that that was sort of the last straw in a long in like a history of stuff like this happening over and over again Definitely. Um, so then having been to a protest yourself, and then I'm ass- assuming seeing a lot of them on the news, what would you say that you think the overall goal of these protests are? Kind of like James had just asked you about, um, have they grown? So what would you say the overall goal you think they are? Um, I would say, I mean, for starters, any sort of protest like this or movement like this is just to call attention to the issue so that people acknowledge that there is racism, there is institutionalized racism is our, in our country. Police brutality is a problem. And I think first and foremost, the point of these is really just to call attention to those issues so that people can't hide behind um, platforms that people normally do and stuff like this, like sort of surfaces. So I feel like at the end of the day, the first sort of purpose of these is just to say hey we're angry listen to us things need to change and then from there things are able to like policies able to be reformed people are able to get their messages out there but i think that like to start with it's just enough to have your voices be heard kind of thing you know to go with that then i know you mentioned policy so would you say that the overall goal then is social change or more legislative change or kind of a mixture of both? I'd say it's a combination of both. I think like as a society, we need to take a look at ourselves in the way we have dealt with racism in the past and the fact that it still exists to this day. Institutionally, it does exist. And like, it is enough on, I think it is, like you said, it's a sort of a, the combination of both of like recognizing that it exists and also trying to find long-term um, solutions to this <laughs> and whether that means like defunding the police or to um, just like like I said just to like call attention to things that are happening I think it really is a combination of the two because you can't just saying it isn't enough and just like you need both I guess I'm kind of going off but like you get what I mean (laughs) so how do you feel that the media has portrayed the protests I mean I think that personally I feel like I have been able to like 
I don't know, I'm not saying that this is, like, the right way, but I feel like I've been relying on, like, social media platforms rather than the news, because I feel like a lot of the sort of, um, the, the way that they're painting things on the news is not always, like, the reality, and I mean, that's the case for anything, like, obviously, you can't, I think you should always be researching on your own, and, like, fact-checking things and stuff so it's not like the news always has all the answers or is portraying it in one way but I feel like in general yeah they have been um putting on like they've been showing videos of the protests that have been happening they've been covering the story for the past week so it's not like it hasn't been getting attention but I feel like there is sort of this tendency to in the news at least like to sort of shift the narrative so that it's like they don't always focus on the peaceful protesting, um, the positive things. It's a lot of like, oh, there's rioting, there's looting going on, and it sort of detracts from the message. So I think that is something that the news isn't always being entirely truthful about, like, the real what's going on, you know? Definitely. Thank you so much, Molly, for joining and speaking with us today. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Molly. So, Caitlin, let's just analyze what we just heard. Um, going off your experience covering Boston and speaking with those who were there, what does the anonymous Suffolk student story, unfortunate and unique as it may be, tell us about how large-scale protests are being covered? Yeah, James. So, the majority of protests you see on TV are large protests, like the one in LA that the anonymous Suffolk student uh, was at. Um, these protests are huge. Just the population of LA alone, imagine the size of that. Um, so they're really, really crowded. The issue with these is there's more police per person as well. And when you have that large of a crowd at a protest, there's no way to tell who's with you. Um, so there's way more likely to be external influences at play at a protest. Even if it is supposed to be a peaceful protest, you have no idea who's going to be there. Um, so the media wants to focus on this. They want to focus on the large police presence. And it's also about, there was 400 arrested, correct, at, in Los yes, Angeles? From our research, it was about 400 on that night that that student was there. Yeah, so I mean, those 400 arrests, those aren't all rioters. A lot of those people are at the wrong place at the wrong time, just like that Suffolk student was talking about. She was simply there um, in the wrong place. She didn't realize that the police were coming and they weren't able to get out. So it's not always what you'd expect or who you'd expect to be arrested. And I think the media likes to sensationalize it. So instead of saying, you know, 400 arrested, 350 of them were peacefully protesting and there were 50 rioters, um, CNN's uh, breaking news banner is just going to say 400 arrested. So it's really hard to kind of, as uh, someone who's watching the media, to really pick apart this and actually see who's behind what's going on. So would you say in these big city protests that there's a big difference between what protesters saw and what was reported heavily in the days that followed? Oh, yeah. I mean, just listen to that story again. You know, she talks so much about being unaware and unsure. And a lot of times the media is showing it as the police are telling people to go home. They're not listening. They're attacking them again. And that could be what's happening. But a lot of the time it's there's just so much uncertainty in the moment. And like I said, again, there's just you're surrounded by a crowd of strangers, especially these big protests. There's no way to know who's next to you. So there is just a lot of unrest and uncertainty. And I think the media likes to prioritize that. 
So you've covered the protests in Boston for the journal, and you've done interviews with both the anonymous Suffolk student and Molly, but you yourself have been to a small-scale protest in a town in central Massachusetts. What was your experience with that? Yeah, so last week, actually, I was at a peaceful protest in my hometown. Um, It was really small, about 50 people, and we actually had support from the police department. Uh, The protest was across the street. They came out to give us waters, told us that if anyone would harass us, let them know they could help. And then later on in the protest, they actually came out and said they supported us and stood with us. Um, The next day, there was actually a bigger one in my hometown as well. But the biggest issue and the reason why are the protest was so small was there's such backlash in a lot of these central Massachusetts communities about protests because what they see on the media um, in these large cities they see all these rioters and it scares people because whether you're informed or uninformed um, nobody wants to have businesses looted especially in the small towns where you know that local business owner Um, so there was a lot of backlash in our community so we kept it uh smaller just to make sure that people could see this was peaceful and there was not going to be any violence. Um, Like we said, protests in small communities, um, again, are smaller. um, And also, peace is usually expected. And that's not as interesting. And for that, you know, that's why the media doesn't really focus on them, as well as Small protests are really easy to self-police. Most of the people usually have connection to other people at the protest with them. So, you know, if you don't see someone you know, it's kind of obvious to spot someone who might not be there for the same intentions you are. As well as, small communities usually have a closer connection to the police. Um, A lot of communities know the police officers. They're at a lot of community events. So you build ties with them. So usually, these are much more calmer. um... That's okay. So these protests... That was my dog in the background. (laughs) He is very upset about the topic. Um, Usually these communities have a closer connection to the police. And smaller protests as well are not usually directly tied to the Black Lives Matter movement. There's no uh, ambassador from BLM there. So that also, the Black Lives Matter movement, comes with a lot of controversy and a lot of preconceived notions. So not having that tie there also isn't as interesting for the media. So lastly, as members of the media, how can we better cover protests like this so we're not overshadowing the reasons why people protest with images and descriptions of violence that can erupt in times of unrest like this? Um, We really have to stop with the sensationalism in the media. It sells and it'll continue to sell. But most importantly, we can't afford to mess this up, especially in such a historic time. Um, As we've seen, violence always causes more interest than peace, whether it's in news, uh, print journalism, or broadcast. Um, As a white woman now, I can't say, I don't have any say on what the right way for the black community is to grieve. I can't. But I do know that violence is always going to cause more people to be interested than peace. Um, And the... The distrust that we have created um, from the news and from citizens who are concerned when watching the news, people are now turning, especially the younger generation, towards social media and citizen journalism for information instead of mainstream news. So because of that, there is so much more of a chance for inaccuracy. You know, there's no way really to fact check a tweet you see on Twitter about a protest and what actually happened. Thank you, Caitlin Norwood, news co-editor at the Suffolk Journal. Thanks for having me, James. Thank you again to our guests. A special thank you to the Suffolk Journal News co-editor, Caitlin Norwood, for helping me with this episode. The Suffolk Journal podcast is produced and edited by me. 
Please subscribe to the Subject Drum Podcast. We are currently available on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please share with your friends and family and check out the amazing work done by our staff at thesubjectjournal.com. Thank you.